And so every single buyer has a unique, utterly one-of-a-kind unique problem set. And if you don't understand the unique problem set, you can't sell to it. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. Uh, this is going to be a treat to everybody. It's been a while that Keenan and I reconnected on this podcast. We did one that was one of the top 10 episodes of 2018. Um, so I'm really excited to have Keenan back on the show. Most of you probably already know him. He wrote an incredible book, which is still in the top 10 or so in the 2019 books on Amazon called The Gap. Number Sun. one, still. Number, number one. one. Yes, yeah, still. One. Three months in a row. Three months in a row, number one in yep. gap selling. So if you don't have a copy, go get it. But I wanted to bring Keenan to kind of share what is gap selling, what it means. And it's not, I, I, I do not believe this is only for salespeople. I think this is actually for leadership in any organization to help understand how the sales process works. So I, I feel like this is a much bigger than what I thought when I read the first version of it. So Keenan, welcome to the show. Thank you, baby. Thank you very, very much. I love hanging with you. So this is going to be fun. Absolutely. So let's start fun fact about yourself as well, where you are right now. So right, yes, right now I'm in Madrid. I just actually finished a gap selling training and I'm in a, what do they call them? A plaza right off the main calle of, of Madrid. So yes, it's awesome. Beautiful here. Beautiful. That is awesome. All right. What's the fun fact about yourself? Oof, man, I got, uh, that people don't know. I don't know. I'm a PSIA certified level two ski instructor. Yes. I mean, I've seen some of your videos, which I think are highly skilled while you're doing video and skiing or close to skiing. I mean, I'm like, man, this guy can do stuff. <laughs> so yes, that's my second passion too. I love skiing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about gap selling. What is gap selling and what should people know about it? So gap selling is about problem-centric selling. If we look at most how most people sell and, and how most people approach a sale, they're product-centric. Well, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I do this and I do that. But if I sit down, I actually listen to them and watch them and, and get involved. 90% of all salespeople are product-centric. And what that means is they lead with the product, they lead with the features, they lead with the functions. In many cases, even when they're leading with, they're asking questions and doing discovery, they're still trying to figure out a way to push their product, right? Gap selling is about moving to a problem-centric selling environment where your whole selling process evolves around identifying, uncovering, evaluating, assessing, and measuring the size of the problem and problems before you even begin to start talking about your product. Because the truth of the matter is, a product is really a solution. Well, a solution to what? Mm -hmm. And so every single buyer has a unique, utterly one-of-a-kind unique problem set and if you don't understand the unique problem set, you can't sell to it. And so gap selling breaks that down. I love that. You know, it's, it's funny when you said problem-centric selling, because I remember that reading as well, 
And you know, as we, we started to build Terminus, one of the things that we have always done is talk about the problem, which is the funnel, and, and focused everybody on the problem, and that allowed us to build a community and a consensus around the problem that, that helped, like the product is, as you said, is a byproduct of everything you're doing. I wonder how much this applies to a like mid-sized company, to an enterprise company, to a startup company, like does that change? Does that differ or is this common for everybody? It never changes and it's 100% common because here's why. When we think about what we do as salespeople, right? Our job as salespeople is technically to be change agents. When we engage somebody to buy something, really what it's about is change, right? So I don't care what you buy. If you go in it right, hey, I just bought a beer, right? Or beer was bought for me, right? If I go to buy a scarf, a sweater, a pack of gum, really what I'm doing is I've come to some conclusion that my current state, where I'm sitting right now without the scarf, without the beer, without the shirt, without the gum, isn't adequate. And I have some desired future state that I'm looking to attain. Whether I do it consciously or subconsciously, that process of do I want to change, what is the cost of change in both price and money, as well as effort, is it worth the change? is all a process I go through, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And once I've come to the conclusion, I buy, right? So in transactional things, it's not very difficult. But when you're talking B2B or more complex sales, the job as the salesperson is to facilitate that change. And so therefore, the only way to facilitate that change is to create or understand the three elements of change, which are the current state. Where is the person today? What is going on? I break that down into five elements, the current state. What is the physical and literal? What is the problem that that physical and literal environment is created? What's the impact to, of that problem existing? The impact to the business, the impact to the person. What is the emotional effect? How does it make them feel? And then finally, what is the root cause of the problem in the first place? So once you have that, then you have to go to the future state and do the same thing again. What is the desired future state? What is the desired physical and literal environment? What is the desired result of solving the problem or the, the desired outcome? What is the impact to the organization if you achieve that desired outcome? How does it make them feel emotionally? And then what is a potential solution, i.e. the opposite of root cause, to enable that? Well, once you get those two things, the space in between is called the gap. Mm. And so whether you're a small company or a giant company, your ability as a sales organization to uncover that, to assess it, evaluate it, and define it, and measure it, that's what you begin selling is the gap. That's what people buy. They're not buying your product. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, one of the things that you said, and I love watching your videos that you put out, and you always have the big thing that you want to say in caps. And I just brought one of those things out there. And, the, and one of the things you talked about, which really spoke to me, which is the reason you lose on price is that you have no leverage. Talk to me about that. All right, so here's the deal. First off, we need to understand when people, if you, gap selling says you're problem centered, right? Regular selling says you're product centered. So if I'm selling a product, right? And I tell you all the features and I tell you this and show you this and tell you to do this and tell you to do that. And you're like, this is interesting, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to say it's too expensive. Well, you're telling me my product's too expensive. How do I defend that? I can't. I can say, well, you know, no one else has this feature or we deliver better than everybody else or, you know, no one can do this. Okay, good, good for you. But if you're problem centric selling, and you find out the current state, the future state, and the gap, let's just say that your current lead generation process is only turning up so many leads, 
your closing percentage is only 10% versus 15 or 20%. Let's just say you're only growing at 6%. Well, if I uncover all of this shit and realize that ABM can grow it from 10 to 20 and it can do all of this. And so for the net outcome is I'm going to have a higher closing rate, shorter sales cycle. And I define all of that. Yeah. Right? And I put numbers to it. And then you turn around and say to me, hey, you know what, though? I mean, I don't know, $2,500 a month is too expensive. You just stop and say, wait, I'm confused. We're going to increase your average sales price by 22%. And that's by $2,000 per person. That's what turns out to translate into an extra two and a half, three million dollars a year. We're going to shorten your sales cycle by this. That means you're going to close things this professor. How the fuck is $2,500 a month too expensive for that? Yeah. That's leverage. That's leverage. You know, that, that pushes, I think this is probably pushing some, some salespeople to think like just because you have a list and just because you have emails to reach out to and phone numbers to call without knowing all this information ahead or discovering all these things before you talk about the price, you're probably wasting time, which is why a lot of this, the emails that I see on LinkedIn now is like, hey, so-and-so salesperson is reaching out to me asking for 15 minutes of my time. I don't even know why I should give this person 15 minutes. I, they don't know anything about me. I don't care about their product. How do you advise the new sales approach of this problem-centric when you are reaching out to your net new accounts that you want to go after? How, how do you do that better today? Fantastic question. And, and to tie this into Terminus, I think you guys can do this as well. You lead with the problem. Yeah. So you don't lead with the product. People lead with the product. They're like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about our, you know, our widget, it does this, it does that. Our clients have, have experienced this value and that value. All of that is future state shit, right? I want people to flip it. And in the book and in, on my site, I have something called a pick. It's a problem identification chart. And it's three columns, right? The first column is the list of the problems that your product or service solves. So you've got to know your customer. You've got to know your buyer persona. You've got to know your ICP. You've got to know all that. But then go the next step and say, okay, what problems does our product or service solve? Like you talked about this earlier, segment it was awesome. You started by the problem up front when you started uh, Terminus and talked about that. Well, there's one or two. So same thing here. Talk about the problems and list all the problems. Then in the next column, list the impact of that to the organization if that problem exists. So you have, you know, let's say column one, row one, you know, hit problem. To the right, the impact of that problem exists. And there's a bunch of them. That's the piece people yeah. miss. Put them all in. List all the impacts that could happen. Then on the next column, write in the root cause. Fill that out for at least four, five, six, seven problems. Not 10, 15, 20. No one has that many big problems they solve. The biggest problems you solve. Yeah. Then give it to all the salespeople. Give it to marketing. And now when you make your sales calls, now when you build your emails, now when you make the calls, you're asking the buyer to, to affirm or say, yeah, I have that problem. And the minute they say that you have that problem, now you open up a discussion to talk about it. I love right? it. I love it. I mean, yeah. this is like a cheat sheet that should be on every salesperson's desk. Like every, I mean, this is, this is phenomenal. Like, list the problems. You didn't talk about product anywhere. Impact of the problem, which I don't think most people recognize or know. So you have to, may have some discovery cost to get there. This, it, is, it is so powerful that I go into companies and I'll talk to the CRO, I'll talk to all the salespeople, sometimes the CEO, and I'll say, what three major problems does your product and service solve? And they can never name a problem. They name a future state. Oh, our product helps companies accelerate growth by. Well, that's not a fucking problem. Yeah. I mean, tell me a company that doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. 
what problem do you solve? And yeah. they're like, okay, well, okay, good point. So we help, so they get a little more specific. We help doctors, you know, engage with their patients uh, in a more effective way. That's not a problem. What <laughs> problem do you solve? And they don't know. And so I'm like, well, no wonder your salespeople just a product pitcher. Because you can't problem-centric sell if you don't know the problems you solve. Well, isn't this also then a marketing challenge? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I'm a sales guy. I never claim to be a marketing guy, but I work with marketing teams when they're close to the sales organization. And I say, take the pick and go into marketing and start building all of your marketing materials around the problem. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about the questions. That, let's talk about companies. You are all over the place. I see you everywhere. You're going in like, you know, international, all these places. It's phenomenal. Are there companies, in your opinion, that are really good at this? Is there a company that you would say, you know what, watch this company. They're doing a really, really good job. No, no. I would say you guys, because you started this way, and out of full disclosure, I haven't been paying much attention, attention recently, so I don't know if you guys have shifted, which is a theme. Like, yeah. like I always say, when the, when the founders developed the product, they were sitting in a garage and they were at a bar and a bar nap, because that's how every business starts, right? Yeah. And they recognized, they didn't say, hey, I got a bunch of features, and they put them on a napkin. Right. Somebody like yourself said, hey, there's a problem. And then you say, how do we fix that problem? And then once they fix the problem and they solve it and they build the product, somewhere along the line, like some magic fairy dust, they stop talking about the problem and stop talking about the cool thing they built. Right. right. So, so I don't know if you guys have gone through that, but no, there isn't anybody that I would say specific to watch. What I will tell people is there, an, is, there is an industry that does this brilliantly. Mm. You know what industry that is? What's that? The infomercial industry. Huh. I would not guess that. Yes. What, think about this. How does every infomercial start? With a problem. Yes. Do you, yes. Do you have a back pain? Do you have your phone? <laughs> yes. Do you have your phone not working? Do you have trouble sleeping? Right. Yes. 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 They do it better than anybody. And they're so good at it. Like, like my favorite one for some reason is the Tupperware one. Do you, oh. do you hate when you're, and they open the cabinet door and it all falls on top of you, right? Yes. And it's black and white. So the whole thing is they, they highlight the problem with two or three problems oh, in black and white, sour music. And it's just a really shitty thing. And they get you to, and because they can't talk to every person. Like they can't do discovery. So their market research showed them that this, these three problems are the problems that people have that are big enough to buy. So they highlight the shit out of those. They make it, the, you know, the sour music and the black and white and the squiggly scheme. And then they transition you. And they say, well, we can help you. And it goes to color and it gets to better music. And they start walking through how their product addresses the problem piece by piece all the way to the end. I love that. I could. And then not, they show you a better future state. Yeah. I, do you remember the Billy Mays? Like Billy Mays of was course. the greatest at this, right? Like, oh my goodness. I think I've watched every one of his commercial just yes. because I want to see how much energy and passion and the problem that he was talking about. So really. Yes, that's how they do it. And so yeah. why we in business to B2B sales don't start with the problem is beyond me. Beyond yeah. me. That is great. All right. So I took a whole bunch of notes on here. So I'm going to try to summarize maybe two or three really big ideas here. And I want Keenan you to share a challenge with everybody listening because the fact that you can share a company that's doing that, which means that this is an epidemic. This is something that we all need to work on and we all can get better at. So I want you to share a challenge towards the end. So big idea. I love this, this shift, like the problem centric versus product centric. I'm, I'm the biggest fan of this, this thing because I've seen it work like in real time for our company. 
The second one is which which I didn't recognize, which you educated me on, which is that as a salesperson, your job is to be a be a change agent. And I don't know how many people in sales think about them as change. They are, their job is to change the perception. They have, they have to educate them not just on the problem, but on the problem and the impact it can have if they don't fix it and what the root causes. So change agent requires you to come from a place of empathy and knowledge and understanding. So I think it's it's almost like the job description of the salesperson to change that. Yes. To change agents. Yes. And what I'd like to say to people, if you, what I call them is sales influencers. Yeah. Great salespeople are sales influencers. They can influence the sale. And the only way to influence the sale is to be problem centric because you need specific information to challenge, guide, or, or push the client. If you are not a problem centric seller and you're product centric, you're a order taker. You yeah. tell them everything about the product and then you wait to see if they'll order. And most people are order takers. Love it. Love it. And here's the one more, like, I mean, there's like so many more, but here's one more that I, I think I did not think about, which is the impact. I have never heard any salesperson talk about like, well, you know, you know, if you don't close the deal with the most questions, the question that I've always heard is that, okay, well, why is this deal not closing? Do they not have a problem? Do they not have a challenge? Okay, whatever. But they never talked about impact. People always talked about, do they have the budget, the whole band thing, right? The budget authority. Oh line thing right yeah. like, uh, I know you've gone off on uh, on that as well but I've never heard people talk about impact and and I feel like that is such a again a big idea being a change agent you have to understand what if you don't do this what if you, they didn't buy the product like what will happen what you know, so so this idea of like figuring out what would the impact if they did not fix the problem is a really important thing to figure out and I, I'm not sure how many sales people even think about it Absolutely. And can I, I don't know how much time we have, but can yeah, I share a thought on that? Yeah. So here's, this is one thing that blows my mind. At the end of every month or at the end of a quarter or something, or even end of the year, people are panicking, looking for urgency, right? People ask all the time, how do you create a sense of urgency, right? The reason they're asking that question because they don't understand the impact mm. of buying their product or service will have on the organization or won't have. So they run it, what do they end up doing? They end up cutting price or agreeing to install early or giving additional benefits to create urgency. Fuck yeah. that. You want to create urgency? You understand their problem and what happens if they don't solve it and what happens when they do solve it and, and uh, what happens or, or the impact of not solving it right away. And there's your sense of urgency. So if you told me that you are, you have this problem and it's affecting you this way and if you don't get it solved, here's the result. Then when I want to call and say urgency, it's like, hey, you told me that you're, you're shrinking at 2% a month or you told me that your, your average sales price is declining. How long are you going to let that happen? Yeah. Like, like that, that's the con. It's a business conversation. How long do you want to let that keep happening? Or you, like we had one today with a particular client and that we realized that it's a long story, but they realized it was a ski organization and they're trying to get into China. And I was like, well, I was like, you know, the Winter Olympics are coming up in 2022. And like, oh my God, I didn't know that. I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> so I said, what is, what is their plan for capitalizing on the Winter Olympics in 2022? Because if you don't think that the Winter Olympics in Beijing, China in 2022 is going to catapult that country into a skiing environment, you're high. They've got, they've got 20, uh, 24, they've got about 30 months to figure this out. So if you get them to admit that they have growth plans in China, then you should use that as the litmus. So now you say you don't have enough time. So there's your sense of urgency. You got to get this done before the Olympics. I you see what I'm it. doing? 
You I don't got to cut your price. I'm not yeah. cutting your price. I love that. You're not cutting the, the price. You're actually creating a sense of urgency, a sense of reason, sense of impact. What if you don't do it? All right. So with that, what is the one challenge you want to give to every person listening to the podcast who I'm sure right now is thinking, oh my God, I don't, I don't have my basis covered. Like, what is the one challenge you want to give them? So it's what's the impact to the organization if this problem exists, not if they don't fix it. Slightly mm-hmm. twist on it. So what's the problem? What problems do we solve? If that problem exists, what's the impact to an organization? Notice, keep, notice how you brought your product into it. Keep it out. Like it, forget anything. What's the impact to an organization if this product exists? That's the first thing. And so, yes, I would tell them to go do a pick. The second thing I would tell them is to go through their entire pipeline and pull up every opportunity and be honest, maybe get a peer, maybe get your manager and ask yourself, what problem or problems are they having that I'm trying to solve? Yeah. Right. So here's the opportunity. What problems am I solving for this opportunity? Is it in there? Can you define it? And then what's the impact? to this specific organization. And this will mess with people because they'll say, oh, the problem is they're not enough revenue. And what's the impact? Well, they can't grow fast enough. Bullshit. No, 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 no. Every, it has to be more specific. Why is this one different than this one? So it's, they're not, it could be they're not, they need to be going at 25%, they're going at 18%. What's the impact? Well, the impact is they're not going to get their second tranche of um, investor money because they're three percentage points behind their growth objective. And so if they don't get those three percent points, then that means that they don't get their second tranche of funding from the VCs. If they don't get the second tranche of funding from the VCs, they're unable to advance into additional market. You see what I've done there? So that's the impact of not reaching your revenue goal. That's a whole different story of they don't meet your revenue goal, they can't grow fast enough. What's that? Like, you can't sell to that, but I can sell to you saying how important is that $50 million and how pissed off are the VCs going to be if you don't hit that number? I yes. can sell to that, right? Yeah. Once you do that, the last piece is for every new opportunity that ever comes in again, make sure you capture the current state, physical, literal, problem, impact, emotion, current state, then the future state and the gap. I don't care if you don't hear anything else. Capture all of that and you will sell. It will fundamentally change the way you sell. Love it, Keenan. Love it, man. Keenan, thank you so much. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.